This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Have you been wanting to read more, but don't seem to have the time? Well, with Audible, you can read your books without having to find the extra time in your busy schedule. Stuck in traffic on your way home from work? Why not marathon the Harry Potter books? In the gym and want to learn about the First Lady? Well, you can listen to Becoming Michelle Obama while doing Leg Day. And if you go to audibletrial.com cultivate, you get a month free of Audible. That includes one credit that you can trade in for any audiobook of your choice, access to thousands of audiobooks free to listen to with your account, and best of all, you have access to all of your favorite podcasts in the app as well. So be sure to go to my link, audibletrial.com cultivate. That's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, to sign up for a free month of Audible and start reading today. Thank you, Audible, for supporting the show. Hello, my name is Josh Shell, and I'm very excited to bring you the first ever episode of the Let's Start a Cult podcast, a podcast where each week myself and some guests will dive into the wonderful and terrible world of cults and other extremist groups. And if the FBI are listening in, we are definitely not looking to gather followers, but if you're interested, I will send you a pamphlet. <laughs> With that out of the way, let me introduce you, my first guest, Sam Wood. Hello. <laughs> Great, great introduction. <laughs> now, now, Sam, if you were hypothetically a part of my cult, I feel you'd be the guy to to mix the Kool Aid. But uh, during during the making of the Kool Aid, you would probably forget to add the poison, add way too much water, so we'd just be sitting there drinking really terrible grape flavored Kool Aid and just wishing we were dead. I don't hate that. <laughs> that's a good, a good bit. Yeah, that's a pretty good bit. All right, all right, that's good. Good. Glad you're okay with your role in the cult. I don't know how I feel about majority of my role just is me being dumb, but <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I like mixing drinks, so I don't hate that. You do push drinks on people. I do. I do love pushing people. <laughs> Which when we get to that part of the show, not as funny. Not as funny as this is. <laughs> and my second guest is Justin Ness. So Justin, how are you today? I thought my name was Joe. What the fuck? It can be Joe if you want it to be. I <laughs> In this cult, we have no, I mean, not cult. We we have no names. Say Joe's my cult name, bro. Okay, I'll call you Joe. I will I will forget to do that, actually. I don't, want this, <laughs> I don't want this to be part of it. But I feel if I'm giving roles away, I feel you would be like my right-hand man. But eventually you would become more popular than me. And then you'd Julius Caesar me in the back and, and take over my cult. Well, all right. Hot take. I like the idea, though. I'm giving him ideas, I think. He's going to take over this podcast. <laughs> this has been my one and only episode uh, before Ness takes over the podcast. <laughs> On today's episode of Let's Start a Cult, we will be talking about the People's Temple and the chilling turn of events that led to the Jonestown Massacre, the greatest single loss of American civilian life since 9-11. Or, well, I guess it was before 9-11. <laughs> so 9-11 was the... I, I don't want to go there. <laughs> we'll leave this. <laughs> Conspiracy theory. <laughs> It happened after 9-11. Uh, oh, all right. Write in the comments if you think <laughs> Jonestown happened after 9-11. How much do you guys know about Jonestown Massacre? Uh, off, off the top of my head? Yeah, off the dome. Nothing. I don't know anything about either of those events. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Justin? You know, I, I feel like I could throw in a big old guess, but uh, <laughs> other than that, yeah, I don't I don't feel like I... <laughs> What's your guess? Yeah, what was what, 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 what is, what is guess? the guess? Based on 
the d- brief description I've given, what is your guess on the Jonestown Massacre in the People's Temple? Well, you know, all I can picture is some people in some hoods, you know, believing in some crazy shit. And then next thing you know, they all rampage the village. I, I don't know. Pretty close in the first part. They had hoods. There was definitely hoods involved. I should maybe put a spoiler alert because you were so close. Oh, my God. No, I'm kidding. You weren't that close, but good good guess. We'll We'll get to... What exactly happened? But first, we want to start with the ringleader, as it were, James Warren Jones, affectionately called Jim Jones. He was born May 13th, 1931, in small town of Crete, Indiana. His father, James, so he named his son after himself, kind of not a great bit. I feel like it's a cult bit. Condescending. Seems like a good guy. <laughs> or not condescending, just a little full of himself, you know? Yeah, yeah. So James had been injured during World War I, which meant that his family was dependent on their matriarch, Lynette. And I mean, back in the the 1930s, 40s, pretty uncommon for the, the matriarch to be the breadwinner. You know what I mean? What I mean? Yeah. Where, what what was she doing? Any? Uh, it didn't. It didn't really specify what necessarily how she, she was, was bringing doing. that dough in. But but I mean, whatever she was doing, it it left Jim to be left to his own devices. He was all he was alone a lot, and actually it led him to begin making his way through the churches found in Lynn even going as so far as to befriend local Pentecostal minister. And he began to be inspired by the preaching and ideals of the churches that he visited. And he incorporated them into his own sermons, which he would share with the rest of the children in the community. So as a child, he's going around you know, spouting off religious beliefs to, to other kids. And he was a gifted and charismatic speaker, even as a 10-year-old boy. But religious zeal and the subject of his sermons often turned off a lot of his playmates. And he hated a lot of the usual activities such as sports and dancing which led him to become ostracized from other kids his age. I mean, you loved dancing as a kid, Sam. Yeah, twinkle toes. Basically <laughs> call me. It, uh, it sounds like he was a born leader, a hero of the nation. You might retract that. I mean, leader, sure. He definitely got those leader qualities, the public speaking and being able to command attention. Real no-nonsense kind of guy. Wasn't down for dancing around, singing with the kids, you know? Yeah, he was no, he was no clown or athlete. <laughs> Wait, did you say he was hurt in World War One? No, his dad was. Oh, okay. The confusion so, because they had the same. Yeah, name. yeah. No, I was. Yeah, sorry. Okay, so he he wasn't hurt. I was like, in geez, war. he's like cripple in war, and he's ten. I'm like, what the fuck's going uh, on? Yeah, I was wondering how. I was also curious on how he fought. I don't even think he was alive back then. It would have been after the war that he was born. Okay, so his father was injured. Yeah, right, right. And right, actually, right. I think it was a. If I'm not mistaken, I think believe it was a gas attack that his father was injured by. So he was had a lot of lung issues growing up and died pretty early. Lung so, issues, not great. So additionally, the Jones family wasn't really liked by their neighbors who remembered the mock funerals that young Jim held for the dead animals in the neighborhood. The frequency of this odd play routine unnerved his playmates and their families. The majority who believed the animals had been killed deliberately and cruelly by none other than the boy grieving them. And actually, in this quote from the 2006 documentary Jonestown, The Life and Death of People's Temple, one of Jim Jones' childhood friends, Chuck Wilmore, says, quote, I thought Jimmy was a really weird kid. He was obsessed with religion. He was obsessed with death. And a friend of mine told me that he saw Jimmy kill a cat with a knife, which you can already see what this is going. Most stories don't start. No, most good stories don't start with. And he, he killed a cat and then he, uh, he cured cancer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it kind of fits with where, where this is going. <laughs> like That's a tough hobby, man. Killing cats? Killing stray animals. <laughs> well, I don't know if they were stray. They might've been. Oh, they even worse. It doesn't specify. Pebbles, no. <laughs> well, I couldn't have danced. <laughs> I can even dance his cares away. <laughs> God damn it. In The Road to Jonestown by Jeff Ginn, the author claims that Jim was also fascinated with Adolf Hitler. So, uh, 
During, during World War II, quote, when Hitler committed suicide in April 1945, thwarting enemies who sought to capture and humiliate him, Jim was impressed, writes Ginn in his book. And I don't know if he was impressed that he killed himself, which, I mean, as far as things to be impressed with Hitler is, him killing himself is probably a good thing to be impressed with him about. Yeah. Maybe. It's a good take. I don't, know. I don't know if that's a good take. I don't actually. know. He, he killed a lot of people before that. So, yeah. This, this Jimmy kid just, he's, I think he's a coward and he related to Hitler killing himself. And he's like, you know, if, if I had to go and I did all this weird fucking shit, then I think I'd probably kill myself too. I don't know. It doesn't seem like that's what he would be. Well, I'm not James or Jimmy, you know. Guy's <laughs> fucked up by the sounds of it. So maybe he was impressed by it. Yeah. I mean, anyone impressed with Hitler. It's probably not going to go well. You know what I mean? Especially since, I mean, his dad was in World War I, to be fair. But technically fought against Hitler because Hitler was in the war on the other side. And, you know, there wasn't a ton of media back then, right? So I'm pretty curious, you know, if anything, he's just hearing word of mouth what Hitler's doing. Yeah. No research done on him. And he's thinking, (laughs) man, I'm kind of, I kind of fuck with this guy. I like this guy. I'm kind of down with what this guy's doing. I mean. Uh, And it's it's weird because Hitler doesn't really jive with his and and this is where it starts to get weird i'll i'll, I'll go into oh it, it's but. about to get weird <laughs> it's been a normal child up until now stabbing cats and burying them it gets interesting because okay. adolf hitler doesn't really mesh with jim's morals and, and like his compass and i don't know if he grew out of this maybe it was just a fate you know when you're a teenager oh, yeah. you're like oh i love hitler oh, <laughs> an angsty hitler phase we all go through you're it. on a 4chan uh forum and you're just like oh i love hitler and it's just I don't know if it's that, but yeah. uh, I could say maybe it's his love of the automotive industry. You know, like Hitler helped bring uh, <laughs> Volkswagen into the mix, and maybe it was a personal like thing. Gasado. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I, I mean, it's possible. Let me let me go on, and 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 we'll see the the interesting part of his life. So, in 1949, 18 year old Jim married Marceline Baldwin, a striking woman who he had met while working in the hospital. The couple welcomed a child together and went on to adopt several other children of various ethnicities, sort of like the Brad Pitt and Angeloni, jo, Angela Jolie. And the Angeloni. And the Angelonian <laughs> of olden time. <laughs> now, Angelina Jolie. So they were the Brangelina of their time. The, the Jir, Jim, Jimmy Cellini? Jim Cellini of their time. His quote unquote rainbow family was a source of pride and joy for Jim who went out of his way to encourage others to adopt interracially. So you see where this gets weird. He He's a fan of Hitler, but also is like, he's a very against, like he's not a very racist man. Yeah, he's not racist at all. He's very like. Inclusive. He's very inclusive in that way. Yeah. Like he, he's not. Unless you're a cat. Unless you're a cat or directly against Hitler, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. And it quickly becomes clear that the adoption would be the end of his altruism. From there, he worked as a pastor at a church advocating for integration and the end of the congregation's segregation. As could be expected, though, this idea wasn't really welcomed by the church's existing leadership. And Jim quickly found himself kicked out and without a job. So he went on to like try and push for inclusion in the church. And church was like, "Eh, fuck you. (laughs) We don't like that. (laughs) It was a different time. It was a different time. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Less than 100 years, which is. Yeah, there's been a lot of fucked up stuff that happened in less than 100 years. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So rather than trying to. Trying his luck as another parish, Jim began preaching specifically to the African-American communities, spurred by the desire to help them rise above racism and discrimination that they were subjugated to. Uh, at the time, that would have been really forward. Way forward. Like, really forward thinking, yeah. There's very few people in this time period. Jim Crow law, or like 
those kind of laws are still in place yeah. where, I mean, African-Americans are free, but they're, they're very much not, oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, they're yeah. second class citizens in this time period. And it's, it's terrible. And I mean, for him to be very outspoken about this is it's kind of revolutionary. Yeah. hundred percent. I think if he stopped at this point, he'd be a, this is, this would be a great story and a happy ending, <laughs> but sadly he does not. The wheels fall off. And it, it starts getting weird. So he, st- he starts using quote unquote healing rituals to attract new members to his flock, claiming to heal diseases and afflictions of all kinds during these events. Now, this may seem a bit weird and rather sketchy to a modern audience, but Jim's healing rituals proved to be a big hit. Within two years, he already had a sufficient number of followers to start his own organization. <laughs> and this is where it gets kind of <laughs> absurd. After selling monkeys door to door, marketing them as useful house pets, Jim was able to collect enough money to establish his own church in Indianapolis. I don't know about you guys, but... So he's an entrepreneur. (laughs) If Justin came to me and was like, hey, I got a monkey. Actually, I want you to do it, Justin. Sell me a monkey. How would you sell me a monkey that's convincing me it's useful? I'd be like, uh, I don't know. Good good morning, sir. Would you like a monkey? And then you'd be like, oh, yeah. And you'd be like, yeah, you know, your son watches Curious George. Think of this guy exactly like him. Probably a little dumber, but, uh, you know, that's, that's the fun of it. You get to teach it new things and fuck, who knows? You might start AIDS. Like, I don't know. You might start AIDS. <laughs> I think it already started by this point. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I'm sold, though, on that premise alone that he might start AIDS. <laughs> Is he going to have sex with the monkey? Are you selling the monkeys for sex? I never said I don't, that. I, I think you're implying it. I don't understand. <laughs> he doesn't have anything in the contract against it, but... He's not saying you can't have sex with a monkey. He's not saying you should. No, he is. He is saying you should. He is. He's telling me directly. Here's okay. a monkey that you can sleep so with. So Jim, so Jim made a killing selling sex monkeys. And then he bought a church. You know what? Pretty inclusive. You know, people want to have sex with monkeys. No, I'm not. I'm not. No, gonna I, I think that's... <laughs> I think we've touched too much on having sex with animals. Either that or you get one of the baskets and that go on the bikes there and you put a hood over them and it's just like fucking E.T. Like that's every kid's dream, right? I also don't know if E.T. was around. E.T. wasn't around. (laughs) I'm willing to say Curious George wasn't around. Ah, He might have been a comic strip. I have no idea. I have no research or anything to back that up. There were UFO spottings way back when, you know, maybe someone stole the whole E.T. idea from one of these monkeys that a hood up. All right, I'm I'm gonna go with that's not how he sold them, but he sold monkeys, which is weird, <laughs> really weird. I've I've never met anyone who sold monkeys, so 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 he gets his own church in Indianapolis from the monkey money, monkey and in money. in 1956, the People's Temple, originally called Wings of Deliverance, way cooler, such a cool band name. Yeah. So the church was born, and it <laughs> the tr- it was nestled in Indianapolis, Indiana, focused on racial integration and helping those in need. At a time when most churches were segregated by race, this was a revolutionary, unconventional, and utopian idea, and one that served to uh, draw hordes of crowds to Jim's sermons. So yeah, pretty popular guy right now. Pretty good guy right now. Other than the cats and the healing rituals and the Hitler thing. Huge in the monkey community. (laughs) Huge in the witch healing community. Okay, yeah. He might be. Yeah, he's definitely big in that. Okay. Big grifter, you know? (laughs) Definitely pandering. Grifting. (laughs) Yeah. Jim was charismatic and an idealist who wasn't afraid to share his views with others, regardless of how contrary they ran to the status quo. For instance, one of his core beliefs was capitalism was inherently evil and creating an unbalance between the world that made the rich richer and poor even poorer. He's very socialist. (laughs) He's the Bernie Sanders of his time. I was going to say, America could have... uh... And I think Bernie Sanders was around then. (laughs) (laughs) 
Through the People's Temple, Jim strived to put his money where his mouth was, establishing avenues of people to help do good and contribute to their local communities. Most importantly, he encouraged his congregation to look past physical characteristics and circumstances of other people in a bid to go beyond racism, discrimination, and xenophobia that plagued America at the time. Jim's work turned him into a recognized and celebrated figure in Indianapolis, and he even served as a director of City Human Rights Commission in the early 1960s, thanks to his tireless work with the homeless. Good guy, you know, not racist, which again, was the weird part where he was like, I love Hitler. I mean, he didn't say I love Hitler, but he respected Hitler. (laughs) Yeah. It's weird because Hitler's bit was, I hate all races except for my own. (laughs) Like, I don't know. He's kind of a, he's a weird dude. I mean, and he hates cats. We can that that we can be for sure. He Eight does. cats. We we don't know how he feels about monkeys. He loves selling them. And I mean, if we're extrapolating off of what Justin said, sex monkeys. So maybe he loves monkeys too much. Maybe he loves sex. Maybe. Is there anything? <laughs> is there anything on that? <laughs> he adopted a lot, so I don't know if he did. <laughs> He's like, I hate this shit. <laughs> just gonna just gonna adopt people and be a good person. <laughs> Pretty soon, though, Jim started started acting a bit erratically. While he had always perceived the threat of nuclear war to be inevitable, his fears grew so much that in 1962, he was actively looking for a way to survive the apocalypse. This led him to an article entitled Nine Places to Hide, published in Esquire magazine in January 1962, which listed several locations across the globe that would purportedly remain intact even after a nuclear war. Among these places was Eureka, California, a landlocked area north of San Francisco that was said to be a safe place due to Saharas that surrounded it. Because of this, Jim decided to relocate the People's Temple from Indianapolis to Redwood Valley, situated approximately 150 miles south of Eureka. So he moved a bunch of people like across the country to California because he was afraid of the nuclear war. Very forward thinking. It's kind of sad that that had such an effect on people in America. You know what I mean? Like, People grew up with the fear of nuclear war like all the time. We still probably should. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> more than ever. Definitely probably should be more worried about it now. It's kind of crazy that he just was like, we're moving. How many people at this point was he, do you think he was moving? Like, uh, It says 65 families. Holy. So that's a lot. I mean, a family could be two. So it, it, it's a cult at this point. It's, it's basically it's the root. This is the starting of the, the cult phase. You know okay, what I mean? Yeah. It's the starting of where it starts to get. Oh, Jim's off his rocker now. But like, he <laughs> but he is considering it a religion at this point. Wings of deliverance. He's always operated in the the church, right? Yeah. And so when he got kicked out, this was his way of still pushing his religion, but but doing his own thing. Which I mean, at the beginning it was good. And though Jim claims that they moved because of the nuclear war. Many claim that the motivated reason could be because this was also the point when they launched an investigation into his healing rituals. So, so uh, that might be a percentage. I don't know. I can't say for sure. I don't know Jim. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, me and Jim aren't boys. He died a long time ago. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> He's dead. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the monkey Hitler lover is dead, Justin. I'm sorry to, sorry to break it to you. I hope he died from AIDS. Uh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> so in Redwood Valley, the People's Temple slowly expanded their operation. The 65 families that had followed Jim from Indiana to California worked hard to establish homes for the elderly, as well as services for drug addicts and orphan children. Their work attracted praises from the community, published in newspapers, and even loaded, lauded by the local politicians. Lauded? Loaded. Lauded. Allotted? Allotted. The media their activities garnered made Jim into an even bigger celebrity. 
and before long he was seen as selfless, charitable, and compassionate man, a shining beacon of American values and idealism. Damn. He's the Superman of his day. This guy was good shit. I mean, up until this point, he's had a few weird moments, yeah. obviously. I mean, you can't blame him too much for the, I mean, you can't blame kids too much. Like it's it's weird that he killed for killing cats. cats. I mean I'll agree. That's the and then the healing thing. Yeah, he's a quack. People are calling him a quack for the healing thing at this point. But I think as far as grifters go, he's taking the money he's getting for the healing and actually putting it into good things so far. Yeah. You can't hate that part of it. You can hate that he's swindling people into healing them because he is definitely taking yeah. advantage of people. But for sure, he's not a terrible human being right now. But <laughs> underneath this veneer of perfection and altruism lay a dark and sinister secret. While others saw a man fueled by his principles in a utopian vision of the world, the real Jim Jones was a mentally unhinged and unbalanced individual whose actions would eventually spell doom for those in his congregation. That's a little foreshadowing, you know, a little bit of tease for what's mm. coming. Any, uh, any questions or you know, comments on, on Jim Jones so far? It would have been cool if he called us cult monkey business. Holy shit. That would have been also a good band name. Keep <laughs> yeah. Might be one. A cult? Uh, well, <laughs> he literally had a business selling monkeys. It would be. Should we? You can't legally sell monkeys anymore. I looked into it. <laughs> just on the pot or before? Just now. Oh, okay. I thought you just knew this off the no, top of your head. No. <laughs> like, oh, you can't. I thought, wow, a long lost trade. I am tired of working. <laughs> Question. Yeah. What did he do to convince his 65 families to follow him across the country? That's a good question. Um, I'm not sure what he said to them, but at this point, it's safe to say he has a lot of control over these people. Being this, and, and it is sp- said a lot of times in, in a lot of different spots that he was a very charismatic person. So for him to convince people to move for the greater good of people, I, I don't think is a stretch. Like for, for you and I, it might be weird because we're not, we're not in a cult, right? So it's it's hard to imagine being wow. being that enthralled with a leader that that could just be like, "Hey, we're moving here," you know? Maybe maybe he had some like monkey t shirts made up and or bananas and <laughs> he's like, "There's monkeys in California." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you promised them dreams of grandeur and monkeys. <laughs> However, the the dynamics of the People's Temple started changing when they settled in California. Like I said, it this is the the beginning of the. The cult. No more monkeys. No, the, he, the monkeys were not there, as he promised. Wow. So from a, from a church dedicated to God and the less fortunate, the People's Temple slowly turned into the cult that it became. It started becoming geared towards Jones and his ever-changing whims. Their aims gradually became more political and more communist, with members forced to pledge the, all their material possessions and money to Jim. Some even signed over the custody of their children to him mistakenly believing that the prophet, which was a nickname Jim soon soon adopted after relocating, was the only one capable of rearing kids in the proper way. Oh, that's creepy. So, so we're getting weird. He's, yeah. he's adopting by force now. <laughs> also, I think if anyone starts calling themselves the prophet, the oracle, anything like that, we you probably have a situation. Uh, he starts calling himself some worse things. The overlord, the almighty overlord. You're close. <laughs> Every single thing that the member of the People's Temple did revolved around the wants and needs of and dislikes of Jim's. So if the prophet didn't like it, they didn't do it, basically. Mm-hmm. Which is how I would like my life to go. If people don't, if I don't like it, I don't want people to do it anymore. It's a good take. You know, like selling monkeys. Stop doing it, please. <laughs> it's wrong. Meanwhile, Jim became infatuated with power and authority, even going as far to believe in the very myth that he created about himself. His followers were f- required to address him as either father or dad. 
And later you saw him referring himself to Christ or God. Good bit. Uh, so I think he's just, yeah, he's a, he's about 80 years too early to be calling himself daddy. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Where's daddy's monkey? And I know uh, I'm not. Oh, <laughs> and, he's ele- and he's legally adopting all, all of the children. In the cult, uh, or they're signing their kids over. Yeah. Listen, most of the family members have definitely have a lot of stake in this. They have given up everything, if not their children, for for sure, most of their material possessions. And I mean, moving that far, they didn't have much. They're pretty pretty isolated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're away from their friends, family, and like it, it's the beginning of the the you, I'm your only the yeah. only one in your life. It's yeah. a it's a classic manipulative boyfriend or girlfriend. You know, right on. <laughs> you know that. I know. So. I know that. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> And for a boy who spent most of his childhood neglected by his parents, the attention and influence that Jim now possessed was undoubtedly intoxicating. He has daddy issues. Which is maybe why he got himself the nickname daddy. Dad. Father. Makes sense. King Kong. King King Kong. King Daddy Kong. (laughs) (laughs) But the attention was clearly not enough for him. He began taking large quantities of amphetamines and barbiturate. What's that word? Barbiturate. Drugs. Dance. <laughs> yeah, he began taking a lot of amphetamines. <laughs> Initially as a way to stay awake m- much longer. However, this had soon evolved into recreational drug use, which led him to experience major mood swings and exacerbated his paranoia. This, combined with his deteriorating health, meant that a dangerous and unhinged man lurked beneath the image of the God-fearing and iconic philanthropist that Jim had carefully cultivated throughout the years. So he's slowly turning into... Is it Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde? Which was the crazy one? Mr. Hyde. Mr. Hyde, the cra- yeah. crazy one, yeah. I think the doctors, the, the good doctors. Uh, he's the good doctor. The good doctor, yeah. yeah. Um, All right. I don't know how many much of the good doctors left in Jim right at this point. Fueled by his drug abuse, Jim's paranoia led him to believe that both the CIA and FBI, backed by the entire United States government, were after him and the People's Temple. This threat, along with the expose article that was about to be published, spurred him into relocating his church once again. No. This time to Guyana, South America. So we're leaving You're the kidding. continent now, Whoa, maybe. what about the monkeys? No. Well, there There's might probably be monkeys more now. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, we're getting back to what's important yeah. here. Yeah, like they're going right to the middle of a dense jungle. So they're definitely, I don't know if there's monkeys on I'm going to assume there's monkeys. Maybe there is. I'm going to make a large assumption and assume maybe he went because of the monkey. Yeah. (laughs) Who knows? He said there, there, I know there wasn't monkeys in California guys, but listen, you've given me everything up until this point. I'll give you the monkeys. We're going to get monkeys. And then, and that was it. How many families at this point? Does it, is there any, I'm curious if it's, if the cult's larger at this point, there is still hundreds of people. Okay. Going down with him to Guyana. (laughs) Like, yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I, I personally don't understand it, but I guess like if you're in that situation where you owe him everything and he owns your children, like your children have grown up thinking this dude's God, right? Yeah. It's hard to be like, we're saying no to God. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's weird, but uh, moving on. The members of the People's Temple followed Jim to South America, believing in his vision of a utopian communion amid the country's dense jungle, as well as in his charisma and larger than life personality. In Guyana, though, Jim became even more controlling, using drugs to ensure that none of his followers escaped his clutches. Within the compound were piles of mind-altering substances, including quaaludes, demerol, valium, morphine, and about 11,000 doses of thoranzin. I don't even know what that is, but apparently it was a drug that helped individuals suffering from mental illness, like issues. Mm. So, I mean, it sounds like a SoundCloud rapper's dream. Yeah. Most people's nightmare, I feel like. 
Being controlled by drugs is don't do drugs. I think that's the moral of the story here. Here's the thing: don't do hard drugs. He was a completely rational, spiritual man until he found hard drugs, monkeys, (laughs) and monkeys. So rather than the uh, utopia, the People's Temple was promised. They instead faced the harsh realities of living in the jungle. Members were forced to carry out manual labor in the sweltering tropical heat, often working long and grueling hours in a bid to please Jim. The agriculture paradise that Jim promised his congregation also never materialized. The jungle soils are notoriously thin and lack the nutrients, 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 nutrients. I got yeah, the word. There it is. Uh, <laughs> sufficient to grow crops. Despite the efforts of the people's temple, they weren't able to plant anything and were forced to go out into town and beg for food. Most of the time, they came back with discards, spoiled and rotten food from the market, which they had to share with one another. So it's not looking great. You know, they went from helping people in communities in America to being just really poor and hungry, I would imagine. In, uh, and sick. I'm, I'm assuming sick. I would assume a lot of them were sick. Yeah. yeah. It says in this next, like in this, in this next uh, paragraph here, their starvation was made even worse by the mosquitoes that were constantly feeding on their skin, as well as the snakes that always kept them on their toes. So maybe not AIDS, Justin, but maybe a little malaria action. Wow. Yep. <laughs> monkeys, oh, wow. Monkeys also, I think, have that. So <laughs> don't quote me on that. I don't know. Monkeys and malaria. <laughs> During the dry season, every single member participated in a bucket brigades just so that their plants wouldn't die. The work was backbreaking and harsh. Often, like it was done under the heat of the sun, which oh, is grow up. <laughs> The humidity. <laughs> All right. Well, Sam, you know, Sam's on Jim's side here. He, wants, <laughs> he says, grow up. You move there. It's your fault. <laughs> Pretty much. How's the village going to run without the bucket brigades? <laughs> That'd also be a great name for the cult. Damn, dude. Bucket brigade. Bucket brigade. <laughs> what does it imply, though? I don't know. Like the wings of deliverance kind of means like you're going to heaven, I think. And the monkey business is just funny as hell. I don't know, but. Bucket Brigade's got good alliteration. Yeah. Is that the thing? But it was like yeah. stairway to heaven, you know, one bucket at a time. No. <laughs> You're piling what? buckets on each other to get to heaven? Yeah. You might if you fall, I guess. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> but more importantly, Jim bred a culture of mistrust among the congregates. None of them were allowed to talk with one another, which made plotting and planning to escape Jonestown downright impossible. He also planted several trusted members who were tasked to weed out those who weren't 100% in on the cult. So, you know, he's starting to stir that that mistrust. Like, people can't confide in one another, which makes, you know, getting out of there a lot harder and you're just isolated. It's safe to assume a lot of these people are just depressed and, like, want out there, but they're too scared to to make a break for it themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're they're ostracized for, for feeling like Great there's something wrong. Yeah. Exactly. Slowly, news of their awful circumstances reached family and friends back home. I don't know why it took so long, but <laughs> like pretty far away. I mean, yeah, now they are. But if one of my friends or family were like, I'm moving to California to help this guy out, I'd be like a little strange, <laughs> like maybe don't. But uh, they began pressuring the United States government to take action against Jim and save their loved ones from the horrible conditions of life in Guyana, which was then referred to as Jonestown. Oh, there's the title of the episode. Roll credits. No. <laughs> it's too bad because Jonestown sounds so cool. That sounds it like it sounds like a cool beach town or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like I'm going down to Florida to go to Jones. Yeah, exactly. Like get fucked up and yeah. on quaaludes and yeah and, and monkey ass. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Facing growing public dissatisfaction over their lack of action, as well as their own growing unease with the disturbing news coming out of South America, the government elected to send Representative Leo Ryan, 
of California to Jonestown to investigate what was really going on within the walls of the elusive and infamous compound. Even America, who's like, we'll allow the Ku Klux Klan to be here. Yeah. We're a little concerned about what's happening down there. So even they're like, that's enough. Like The government's evolved at this point. You're not even in our country and we're concerned about what you're doing with our (laughs) citizens down there. We're coming down. Yeah. Interesting. When news of Representative Ryan's visit reached Jim, his paranoia and fears of the government intervention increased drastically. And for him, it was probably like, it's true. Like this, the, the conspiracy that I've had in my mind, they're coming for me. And he's probably so high. Yeah. 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 His mind addled with drugs concluded that the visit would bring nothing but doom to him and his loyal followers. On November 14th, 1978, Representative Leo Ryan arrived in Jonestown, accompanied by a whole slew of newsmen and relatives of the cultists. Four days later, they concluded their unofficial investigation and prepared to depart, bringing along with them 14 defectors from the People's Temple. They did the investigation. Mm -hmm. People were like, yeah, I want the fuck out of here. Like, this guy is crazy. 14 people raised their hand. They're like, yeah, we're... And to be fair, I think more people would, but their families are there, right? So it's hard to be like, I want out, because what if your family's like, they're they're loyal followers? What if they believe in the cult? And if they're young enough, and if they've grown up there, they're probably... uh, not, so a lot of the people with kids, I feel, were just in this situation where they're like, well, we're here, we're staying, I guess. Mm-hmm. This is where it starts getting bad. And this is a warning. <laughs> it, it starts going downhill from here. So if you uh, don't love graphic description, uh, maybe leave it at this. It was uh, the the representative came and he, he saved everyone. And uh, that's it. Plug your ears, Justin. I can't listen. <laughs> <laughs> On November 14th, 1978, Representative Leo Ryan arrived in Jonestown. Uh, oh, I already said all this. He's back. He's back, baby. <laughs> he came back again and got <laughs> the same amount of people. No, as a group stood on the in the airstrip near Jonestown waiting to board the flight that would take them back to the United States, a group of armed men from the cult struck them under orders from Jim, obviously. However, they were only successful in killing the representative, three newsmen, and one defector. And I say only because... There were a lot more people, but I mean, that's like quite a bit of people to kill. Like, and the the representative, right? Like, yeah. you know, America's probably not going to be happy with that. No. They're like, oh, you fucked up, boy. <laughs> Newcomb. <laughs> Newcomb. <laughs> uh, that would be his fears. That would wrap everything up real nice. That'd be great. I mean, they'd be nuking a foreign country. So that would be an issue. <laughs> that would be an issue. Yeah. Uh, that would For be the foreign story. country. the failed assassination attempt made matters worse jim believed that those who escaped with their lives would bring the authorities ending him in the people's temple for good which is a good assumption because probably what was going to happen so he made a last last ditch effort attempt to ensure that his congregation would continue to follow him no matter what quote he tells the people it's over it's all over they're coming for us this is it it's time to transition to the other side Uh, says Julia Shears, the author of A Thousand Lives, the untold story of hope, deception, and the survival at Jonestown. Prior to this mass suicide, Jones has sadistically conducted rehearsals to figure out how best to carry it out. It was through these practices, these practice sessions that he found out that killing children and babies first would be the most effective and discourage their parents from trying to escape with their lives. So pretty dark that they would practice this. Like, Multiple times. So wait, he he was killing people during the practice. These weren't focus no. groups. They, they they he wasn't killing people at this time, but he was he was I I don't think anyway. I believe it was just like they were they were focus groups. Maybe they were. <laughs> I I don't I I don't actually know that. So interesting. Uh, that would 
makes sense. Because how do you practice that? That's what I'm. That's what I'm curious. Yeah. It's like okay, so now you're dead. Oh no, that would <laughs> pretend work. the baby's that dead. That would work. Uh, you're crying. I'm just not believing it, John. <laughs> I'm just not believing it. Cry harder. <laughs> Out of ten, how likely are you to leave right now? <laughs> so I mean, all joking aside, pretty fucked up. Yeah, pretty bad. That day on November 18th, nearly everyone in the compound believed it to be another mass suicide rehearsal, only realizing that it was the real thing when the youngest member of the People's Temple started frothing at the mouse after syringes dropped a lethal mix of cyanide, sedatives, and powdered fruit juice down their throat. So, yeah, it's not great. I don't know how else to say it. Like, it's really shitty. And to a certain point, like, like, like they said, they thought they were going into another rehearsal, which is pretty shitty. I mean, imagine... Being in a play, yeah, showing up for rehearsal, thousands of people in the audience. You think it's a dry run, but and you were you're just hungover because you were partying the night before, thinking no one's going to care about this. Oh no! <laughs> Quote: They started with the babies, said Odell Rhodes, the only known survivor of the Jonestown massacre. Uh, it just got all out of order. Babies were screaming, childrens were screaming, and there was mass confusion. According to him, it only took about five minutes for the cyanide to do its job. And then the adults lined up and took a sip of the poison that Jim prepared for them. His final act as their leader, their prophet, and their father. <sighs> it's terrible. I mean, this says, like, to, to think that these people were doing it willingly is, like, it's wrong to think that. Because, they're. I mean, there's guys with guns, or crossbows, I believe it says here, lined up behind them. So, they, they yeah, they had rows of crossbow men lined up behind them just waiting to kill anyone that disagreed, right? Mm. And, I mean, at this point, like... Their children had already passed away, so I don't think a lot of them wanted to live with that kind of guilt. Yeah, there's not there's not much left for them at that point. Yeah, and it's very bleak, to be fair. Yeah, like, very dark. I mean, I kind of want to skip over a lot of this because it's kind of gory. We'll we'll skip to the, like I mean, they a lot of them take it. Like this guy was the only survivor, obviously, and I just wanted to point out that it's hard, you can't really blame the parents and the families because they they were put in this situation. I don't know. It was like a frog in water. You. You slowly boil it or a lobster in water. Is that it? Lobster in water. You slowly boil it so they don't feel the temperature rising. Okay. That's kind of what this call was, right? They started off doing really amazing things, right? Amazing. Like against racism, against the rich, all good things. I hate racists and I hate rich people. So love at that monkeys. point, love, love monkeys. monkeys. <laughs> he should have stuck with the monkey stuff. Yeah. That could have really changed the outcome if, if the monkeys had prepared the kool-aid it'd be funny <laughs> well if i'd prepared the kool-aid it would have been fine <laughs> it would have been like what the fuck it would have been fine <laughs> yeah so when when the guyanese authorities arrived in jonestown the following day a terrifying and gruesome sight awaited them the entire compound was carpeted in hundreds of bodies most of whom had their arms around each other and remnants of froth uh, froth around their mouth Syringes and cups filled with innocuous-looking liquids were scattered all over the place. And as for Jim, he was discovered dead of a gunshot wound to the head. Some say he took his own life, while others claim that his trusted nurse, Anne Moore, dealt the fatal blow before turning the gun on herself. There's that Hitler bit, you know? Ended it himself. He, I don't know. It's kind of telling to be like, oh, he took, he took the gun. Like, he took the bullet mm-hmm. instead of drinking the Kool-Aid because he knew that would be the worst way to go. You know what I mean? The coward's way out, basically. And it and it sucks that he never got caught to pay for this, like, penance. But I like to think if there is a god in hell, he's down there burning for eternity. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's bad. That's pretty bad. According to Julius Shears, the only thing that Jim wanted out of the People's Temple and the Jonestown Massacre was complete and utter control. 
Quote, he tried to control people's bodies, she said in her book. He couldn't stand it when people left the church and he would go into a rage. But ultimate control and the ultimate loyalty test for him was, if I order you, would you lay down your life for the cause for me? For many of the 909 people, oh, 909 people, there you go. 900 people. 909 people died that day. And that's 14. So there was around a thousand people that probably followed him to yeah. down there, right? Because you can, you can safely assume probably some died from starvation beforehand. Yeah. Or disease. Or disease or anything like that. But for many of the 909 people who died that day, 300 of whom were age 17 or younger, they were never given a chance to say no to Jim, right? Instead, they were forced to follow a mentally unstable control freak with an unquenchable thirst for power over their grave. Pretty sad story. Yeah, started off, started off okay. Yeah. Started off kind of hot, but... Questions? Concerns, comments, a lot of concerns. I mean, yeah, definitely yeah. <laughs> concerns. Um, and it's, I don't know. I, I understand why people got into this, like why people got into this group because it is, it was a, a group for good originally. And then uh, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. I believe that's the saying. Justin, is that the saying? Justin, is that the saying? Something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's, it's kind of stupid that, you know, as soon as like he was like, "Yeah, we're moving to the other side of the fucking states," I would have been like, "Fuck you, pal!" Like, we'll, we'll just we'll start <laughs> our own HQ here. You can go and recruit some more over there, you weird guy, you. Yeah, monkey loving. Yeah, we already yeah. have our monkeys, Jim. <laughs> Jim, I bought them. <laughs> we don't need to go there. <laughs> Maybe he was holding the monkeys hostage. Maybe you know. I mean, it, it's also hard because a very different time, a, a lot less information being yeah. available to the average person. And, you know, people always want something to believe in. So like you said early on, I mean, you could see, you yes. could see it being enticing. Sure. Exactly. And I mean, Calif- Cali, right into Cali, we're baby. Going to Cali. Who, if anyone says that to me, I'm in. Beaches. <laughs> cool, cool, blue ass <laughs> water. Fire. A lot of fire. Not then. Drugs. <laughs> I mean, they would have had me at drugs, right? I mean. I thought you said don't do drugs. No, sorry. I mean, at, <laughs> at water. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's tough to blame the families. I mean, it is. There is a certain amount of responsibility on the parents, for sure. The the children, you can't blame at all, really. Mm-hmm. They were kind of grown up in that, that situation and for years groomed to believe that he was a god. Really shitty. Not a good guy. Listen, if I were to you know, do my own thing, my own cult probably wouldn't kill everyone. Probably. <laughs> Unless you had to. Justin would kill me before like the second day. But by that point, he's got everyone under his thumb. So these people are kind of dumb in the sense like you would die faster from a crossbow to the heart than drinking that shit. I would have been like, fuck you and thrown some cyanide in one of their faces, you know? <laughs> oh, like a hero. If only you were there, Justin, the hero they needed. Yeah, a rebellion. The leader. I know. Or you would have been the first one dead. <laughs> Very possible. Yeah. Fuck. So your your bit would be charge the crossbow line. Sure. Not a bad bit. Hey, I mean. It's better than drinking shit and then, you know, waiting five minutes for it to click in and then you just die a horrible death. I'd rather yeah, just shoot me in the head with a crossbow. And then, I'll, then you just drop and it's over. Well, we, we know how he wants to go now. Most things. Uh, crossbow to the head crossbow is better the head. Than, than grape Kool-Aid. So. Or you grab one of the kids that one of the crossbow like people, like one of their kids, and you just grab them. And you're like, you know, use them as a like a meat shield type thing. And then you're like, oh, God, <laughs> God, no, yeah. Justin, you're going to shoot me. You're going to go through your kid first. You know? <laughs> is, well, 
he he wanted everyone dead. I don't think that would have helped. Yeah, and I think the guys with the crossbow were definitely the most loyal to him. Yeah, because they must have all. You're not handing the guy the crossbow. That's gonna kill you. <laughs> like no, he they either didn't have a family or were just so invested in it that they didn't care so, if their family would died. Like, is this the event that the Kool Aid term? Yes, this is where it this derives where it from? from. Interesting, yeah. very interesting. Yeah, so. I'm very surprised, actually, you guys hadn't heard of it because it is a pretty big thing. But I guess, I mean, I guess if you're not looking into that kind of stuff, it's not it's not on your radar, really, right? Yeah. It happened so long ago. Or not like I mean, in this. The Kool-Aid reference I've definitely heard many times. I think most people have. And it's kind of it's kind of morbid when you really think about it. But pretty messed up. Pretty I mean, not great branding not great. for Kool-Aid. No. It's like the Corona right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... This has been uh, Let's Start a Cult Podcast. I've been Josh. Thanks to my guests, Sam Wood and, and Justin Ness. Uh, do you guys have any closing statements, closing uh, shout outs that you want to you you shout anything out? Anything you're working on? Thinking about starting a band now. <laughs> okay. Fuck that James guy. <laughs> Which one is dad? Both of them. I mean, if he'd loved his son a bit more, this might not have happened. Yeah. If he was an idiot in war and came back and lived a good life with his son, his son probably would have been all right. Well, who knows? You like Trump. Also like your war heroes not injured or captured. <laughs> Damn. No. no really. Okay, that's good. I'm glad you're not on the same side as Trump here. Yeah, so uh, thank you everyone for listening to the very first episode. And uh, I look forward to hopefully doing a more happy episode next time. I'm going to only have you guys on for the sad episode. I think there's a lot of happy cults? There might be a few. I don't know. <laughs> maybe some that are so far removed that they're not as morbid or sad. Yeah, maybe... A little bit of a happier ending. Happier. Happier. If less than 900 people <laughs> die, it's happier. So just a smaller cult. It, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Okay. All right, everyone. If you like this episode, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about this episode, please write us an email or record yourself and send it to startoccultpodcast at gmail.com. And at the end of our next episode, we might read or play your response and answer it. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Audible. Have you been wanting to read more, but don't seem to have the time? Well, with Audible, you can read your books without having to find the extra time in your busy schedule. Stuck in traffic on your way home from work? Why not marathon the Harry Potter books? In the gym and want to learn about the First Lady? Well, you can listen to Becoming Michelle Obama while doing Leg Day. And if you go to audibletrial.com cultivate, you get a month free of Audible. That includes one credit that you can trade in for any audiobook of your choice, access to thousands of audiobooks free to listen to with your account, and best of all, you have access to all of your favorite podcasts in the app as well. So be sure to go to my link, audibletrial.com slash cultivate, that's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, to sign up for a free month of Audible and start reading today. Thank you, Audible, for supporting the show.